Welcome back to Nostalgia FC podcast with your hosts, me, Drew Hollins-Roberts. And myself, George Thomas. This is the podcast where we delve deep into the recesses of footballing history and obscure players. Yeah, so we will be inviting a guest on each week and they will be telling us their favourite starting eleven, And that includes uh, famous footballers you might have seen on the TV and in the past or just people they've played with in Sunday League. They will also give us their manager, their stadium, their kit and their super sub. Nice, nice. So this week's guest is uh, Glyn Thomas. You may recognise that surname. It is, in fact, George's dad. Yeah, the influence to all my footballing... Uh... Knowledge, I guess. There you go. <laughs> and it shows the extent of uh, how deep our bench is at the moment, where the second guest <laughs> is one of our dads. There you go. There All you right. Go. Without further ado, this is Glyn Thomas's Nostalgia FC. Welcome, Glyn Thomas, to Nostalgia FC podcast. How are you doing? I'm very good. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me on. You're very welcome. So we did address this earlier, but you are in fact George's father. I am. Yes, that's Currently good. sat next to each other. We had uh, our last guest over Zoom. Thankfully, this one, I, can, I well, at least I can be in the same room. Can't yeah, there the you go. Group. No, I'm, I'm still locked away in my own personal studio, <laughs> my spare room. Uh, so, Glyn, tell us a bit about yourself. Who do you support? Right, me. Well, probably very similar to George. Um, I am a uh, Wrexham season ticket holder, or was. We couldn't buy them this year. Uh, and uh, a member of the Wrexham Supporters Trust, so I'm actually an owner of the club. For now. For now. For now, yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, they're my sort of uh, passion in uh, non-league football, but I guess when you come to Premier League, I am a Man United fan. Yes. I've been for many years. And we'll just end yes. the podcast right there. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so my uh, my inspirations of who I supported obviously came from dad. I don't really trust anyone that doesn't follow their dad's support. Yeah. Speaking of that, who did your dad support, dad? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my father was a uh, Liverpool fan. All right, podcast uh, back on. And a uh, Liverpool season ticket holder. Why didn't he could have passed that on to me? That would have been helpful. <laughs> well, actually, it could be because uh, in the early days of uh, live Premier League, you, I don't know if you remember, they put, all played them on the Sunday. He worked in the local uh, chapel in Rose-on-Sea there. And so he felt he couldn't go to the matches on Sundays, not because of any religious conviction, just because <laughs> he was busy, didn't want to let them down. <laughs> you know? And so, uh, yeah, I used to go to a few Liverpool uh, matches with my dad's season ticket. Uh, and in particular, a lot of the live games were the ones against Man United, which was um, trying to sit on your hands, you know, <laughs> not giving your affiliation away. It was, uh, it was tough going. We were so clocked what, a couple of times. What, what years were we saying for this? What sort of era of Liverpool? Oh, were they good? Well, I'll tell you what I was there. Do you remember the one where um, Leeds were... Leading, it was the it was the year before the Premier League started. Actually, thinking about it, so before our time, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we weren't born. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 19, yeah, that would have been what 1989, 90, something like that. Yeah, so yeah. Barnes Leeds, and Leeds were ahead. United were sort of catching them, and then uh, Liverpool played United, and I think they beat them two 0 I seem to remember it was Robbie Fowler, um, and it, it just ruined. Uh, United sort of title charge. And United at that stage, of course, hadn't won it for many years. 
Bit well, like Liverpool last year, really. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah. <laughs> what goes around comes around, eh? If it's yeah, a constant yeah, cycle. Liverpool United. Well, I hope that happens again. Yeah, <laughs> Liverpool United both can't be good at the same time, otherwise <laughs> the Premier League will end. Right then, let's dive in to your team now. Obviously, we've sort of flagged this up a little bit already. There is a bit of a uh, generational gap between ourselves and yourself, Glenn. No offense. And so, oh, the so he's my son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. Uh, so there might be some choices that we don't know, but let's let's dive in. What is your formation? Oh well, I'm I'm going on, on a a four three three. Um, no particular reason. I don't think it would particularly work well as a four three three, but it's the <laughs> only way I could uh, shoehorn these players in the team. So uh, it's a four three three. Just, just to clarify as well, even though uh, I, I'm living in the same house with my dad, I have absolutely no idea what this team is. I've got a few ideas in my head just because obviously I know you very well, but I could be very wrong. Yeah, well, let's, let's find out. All right, Glenn, yeah. goalkeeper. Right, in goal, I am going for a, a good Welshman. I am going for Di Davis. Di Davis, uh, Welsh international, obviously, uh, ex-Everton. But more importantly, ex-Wrexham. Uh, he actually transferred to Wrexham from Everton uh, back in uh, way, way before you guys were around, 70-something, 77. Uh, and Wrexham won what was then Division Three, I suppose now League 2, uh, with him in goal. And even though he's a top-class keeper, and uh, he was known locally as Die the Drop, Uh, and there was one of those I don't know if you're at a live game and somebody puts a cross in and you see see your goalkeeper it was almost like the home crowd went quiet (laughs) (laughs) and it was just this outgoing of relief if if he ever caught caught the ball well that was like early days of David De Gea as well wasn't it the United (laughs) oh I guess yeah yeah yeah. but uh, yeah it's not talking about the same level of course but uh, So, oh. uh, yeah, nice. years, the reason, so there's a reason he's in there, is years later, uh, Di Davis actually, um, he ran a books, bookshop in Mould after he retired. And I was playing in a five-a-side uh, football tournament in the, uh, the bank where I used to work. And they, uh, they managed to get Di Davis along to present the prizes at this tournament. It was held up at uh, Ares Park in Colin Bay there. And uh, so Di Davis is there. And I'm there with Lindsay. My wife, your mother. Yep. Just in case. <laughs> I mean, I'm we don't know. We never. We can never know in these days. I guess. Yeah. Good, to, good to address that. Yep. And uh, so Di Davis is coming. We're sitting up the little you know, pitch, and Di Davis was there speaking to the regional director of the. Um, and uh, Lindsay says, uh, "I know him," and I was thinking, "Yeah, yeah, you know, seen him on telly or something like that." And. Uh, I says, yeah, yeah, we all know him. He says, no, I do, I do. Anyway, as they're walking out, Di Davis spots Lindsay on that. He goes up to him and says, oh, darling, to Lindsay, and uh, and puts his hands out to lift her down from the top step. This is Di the Drop. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, heart goes enough. And then off he goes. He's uh, they, they moved us from the, from the gym in there to some room for the presentations in the back. And so we're walking down the corridor in the leisure centre, and Di and Lindsay... I was walking in front, uh, sort of chatting away like old friends. The regional manager of the bank is just behind them, just desperately trying to catch up with them and get a word in edgeways. 
and then uh, all the rest of the teams and everything else with me bringing up the back, thinking, oh, that's, that bloody showed me, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so what, that what was year, Di Davis, yeah. What year was this? Whoa. Uh, late 80s, say. Oh, okay. Just still checking yeah. that uh, Di Davis isn't George's father. No. <laughs> what? Wow. <laughs> I think, I think... Uh, for anyone who doesn't know me and my dad, I think I look too much like my dad. That's uh, true. For that to actually be true, it is like looking at uh, the future and the past self. <laughs> right onto the defence. So you've gone four three three. So it's a conventional back four. Conventional back four. I'm going to start and just go uh, across the back for you. So we're right back. Now I heard your last uh, podcast. I'm a bit uh, a bit concerned there may be too much involvement of real football club in here. <laughs> <laughs> because I've got a right back. I haven't got a name for him. Um, when I was a student, so again, we're very talking years ago now, say oh, mid-70s, late-70s, um, I was living in real. I was home for the holidays from real. And of course, Rill used to play a few uh, friendlies, pre-season friendlies against uh, league sides. And there was an occasion where they were playing, I think it was Stoke City. Uh, so it went along and uh, it was a fair old crowd because a few holiday makers and things had uh, turned up. And there was a right back for Rill. I have no name. We're just going to call him the right back from Rill. The right back from, <laughs> right Rill. Back from Rill. Yeah, yeah. I'll write that down. Uh, and... Um, the cra- he was having a shocker, <laughs> absolute <laughs> awful game, and uh, the crowd were getting on his back, and they obviously weren't regular real supporters. They must have been holiday makers or something, and they were really getting on his back. And of course, like it is, you know, the more it happens, the worse he gets. And eventually, um, oh, they were calling him what are they calling him? They're calling him a pudding. You're a, you know, number two, you're a bloody pudding, and all this stuff. And so some old codgers uh, next to them, I'm just, just a couple of yards away. He says, so, well, leave him alone. He says, you know, he was up at uh, three o'clock this morning because he's a milkman, you know, give him, <laughs> give him a break, lads, and all this stuff. And so did they give him a break? Did they bollocks? <laughs> for, for the rest of the game, he was then known as a milk pudding. <laughs> oh, my God. But I don't think I've ever heard someone be called a pudding before. That's uh, incredible. <laughs> it, might, it must be a special real thing, I think. <laughs> you know, you know what I'm noticing as well from from Owen's podcast last week. If anyone didn't hear it, there's there seems to be a theme with the crowd at real, in the fact that they are just they will just take the piss out of absolutely anybody and everybody. <laughs> yeah, I can't I honestly can't say I was a regular at uh, at uh, what was it? Was it Bellevue? Is it Bellevue? Bellevue? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was just a few occasions i don't think the uh the slating of people is exclusive to the stadium of real i think uh yeah. fans of real i think it's just the town as a whole <laughs> yeah that's very right. true right so let's let's move on from pudding the milkman <laughs> pudding the milkman okay we're going we're going uh, so two center backs and uh, this one is the only one who's still playing i say he's still playing uh, he's not playing at the moment because he's injured and it is the uh, the great sean pearson Oh. <laughs> uh, uh, Wrexham club captain, stalwart centre half, uh, friend of referees. <laughs> uh, I say that because he's always chatting with them. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it never looks friendly though, does it? 
No, he's a, he's a quite a tough, uncompromising player, and uh, he just he's in their ear continually. They must hate refereeing him, mm. but as you can imagine, he's a player you'd love to have on your side. Oh yes, yeah. bit of a throwback reason, defender. Yeah, the reason I'm picking him is during the lockdown and the Wrexham players weren't playing. Uh, he was acting as uh, working for the Fatball Pub. I'd like to say working for, I'm not sure whether he's paid or voluntary, but basically he was delivering takeaway food. And people could phone up, order their meals, and they could specify they wanted it delivered by <laughs> Sean Pearson, the captain of Wrexham. I thought that was so cool. <laughs> you, you can imagine you can imagine he ended up being pretty busy as well. Because if you called up if you called up that pub for some food, you'd definitely want it to be him that <laughs> delivered it, wouldn't you? So he probably Probably run ragged. Yeah, he gets involved in a lot of community projects yeah. as well. Sean Pearson, not playing at the moment. He's, I think he's had an off. Uh, he's been out and, um, yeah, I think they need him back. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely at the moment. Um, what's, what's funny as well, because uh, as Dad said earlier, we were season tickets uh, last year and the year before yeah. at Wrexham. And uh, it was always one of... Sean Pearson was always that, that player where the game, if the game was boring and nothing had really happened... He was the one who'd get man of the match just because he was the scapegoat. He was the sort of, yeah, we'll give it to him because yeah. <laughs> he was our best player by far. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'd, if that's your version of a scapegoat, then I'd, I'd be quite happy I with that. I was going to say, it's not my, mm. my uh, expression of a scapegoat is one you want to blame. <laughs> I say it's a negative connotation usually, but yeah. tonight, let's, All let's, right. <laughs> let's, change, let's change it up. Scapegoat is positive on this podcast. I like it. Yeah, okay. We'll change it. Mm. <laughs> on to the next centre back. Well, I'm going to test your football history now. This is uh, next one is the Kaiser. The Kaiser, Franz Beckenbauer. This, yes, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> Franz Beckenbauer was an absolutely superb footballer. I mean, I, I've no way of knowing how he would compare with the teams of today, but he seemed to be so unruffled, composed. Uh, he was a player started off as a midfielder, went into defence. And I believe he was the guy who started the uh, uh, invented the role of the sweeper. You know, the the the, the ball playing defender, the, the libero, is it? Probably something you say is almost like a must in the modern game as well. Yeah, definitely. Oh yeah, definitely. But, but uh, at the time, it was just so unusual. You you, you know, your centre backs would be just too hard, uncompromising. You know foreheads like brick walls and uh, <laughs> but uh, he was different but the particular occasion for this was a world cup uh in uh, i'm looking at my notes i think it was 1970 uh germany were playing italy in the semi-final and in those days they could only have two subs which germany had used and he had a bit of a fall and he dislocated his shoulder Oof. and played on uh, he played for the rest of the game in a sling. And it's a very iconic, if, if you, you can Google these and look at them, he, he played the rest of the game in a sling. And he, of course, dislocated shoulders. No, no mean feat, is it? He must have been in agony. And uh, the, it's just one of those things when you see him doing it. And he still looked as if he could sort of take on anybody in the world. Yeah. Franz Beckenbauer. They lost the game 4 3. I was just about to say that, yeah. <laughs> I, just, I just searched it and I was just about to mention that. But, but, uh, but I suppose it was, it was the year Italy won the World Cup. It was the World Cup in Italy, wasn't it? Was it in Italy, 70? No, it was in um, it was, uh, Mexico. Mexico it was. Mexico, nice. About it. Franz Beckenbauer is one yeah. of only three men 
to do what at the World Cup? Go on, a bit of trivia. The other two, I'll give you their names. Uh, did Play they... in a sling. <laughs> no, not quite. <laughs> the other two are Mario Zagallo and Didier Deschamps. I think it's going to be a captain and manager World Cup winning team, is it? Correct. Hey, look at that! Do think he's still? Is he still involved with Bayern Munich now? I think something is somewhere in the hierarchy or somewhere. Yeah, I imagine he, so, can't you? Yeah, he is seventy-five years old now, old friends. That's not. Yeah. That's not old. No, not not at all. Not at all. Just uh, highlighting. So he actually, um, all of his caps, all one hundred and three caps, came for West Germany. There you go. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Fun trivia for you. Yeah. Well then, yeah. Enough okay. of that trivia nonsense. On to the left back. <laughs> left back. Okay, you'll like this one, Drew. Uh, oh, we're excited. going to uh, Tommy Smith. Tommy Smith. Go on. Ex uh, Liverpool player. Uh, one of the real old school floggers. <laughs> uh, there's a quote from Bill Shantley. Tommy Smith wasn't born. He was quarried. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. And uh, I, I did look him up, and I know Google called uh, referred to him as uncompromising, which <laughs> <laughs> seems like a good summary. Yeah, I met him. I met him uh, when I was at work. We were invited uh, as guests of somebody to the uh, something like the Northwest Football Awards at a hotel in Liverpool, and there was some. It was some tables around. There was a big table of ex Liverpool players, big table of ex. Uh, um, Everton players and this, that, and the other, and uh, he was there. And uh, during an interval, you know, he, he was. Uh, he, uh, I met him coming out of the toilets. He held the toilet door open for me, Tommy Smith, and then scythed me down as I went past. <laughs> <laughs> you don't go past Tommy Smith. Yeah. There's also another great quote here as well from Jack Charlton, which is uh, Tommy Smith was easily the hardest player I ever faced. I ran into him once and he knocked uh, every ounce of breath out of me. I tried to get up and look like he hadn't hurt me, but he absolutely had. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah Chuck Charlton was, was a hard man. He famously had a, he was on something like Parkinson, you know, chat show or something, or something like that. And he referred to his little black book. He had a little black book and it was just players who uh, had crossed him. And, and uh, these are ones that uh, he would, he would actually uh, exact revenge at some stage. So, so he may have just outed Jack Charlton as a serial killer. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I believe uh, retribution on the, on the pitch, shall we say. Okay, yeah, good. That's a, that's a little lesson. Nice. So on to Tommy yeah. Smith. Here's a fun one for you. Tommy Smith left, left Liverpool on loan to a team which I've just discovered has the best name of any team I've ever seen. He went to the Tampa Bay Rowdies. Yes, no, yes, they, they were they were early days of American football. Yeah, Tampa Bay Rowdies—that is a hell of a name. I'm not sure that uh, then, uh, did somebody like Rodney Marsh or, or somebody go there as well. Rodney Marsh famously was playing for Man City. No, he played for England, and he was he was messing around. He's a bit of a, one of these flair players. He was playing for England. First half wasn't going that well, and this manager was, uh, you know, raging off. He says, "Marsh, if you don't pull your your, your act together, I'm I'm pulling you off at half time." And so he turns to him and he says, "Well, at City, we only have a cup of tea." He says. <laughs> <laughs> uh, whether that's true or not, I know I don't. <laughs> hey, American sports are different. 
Yeah, very. <laughs> Obviously. Uh, we'll move on. You've got three in midfield, so we'll move in on to your midfield three. Yeah, I, I'm starting to see a bit of a, a trend here. I, I have only just realised that uh, it's another, um, shall we say, a hard player, but uh, do you remember one Trevor Hockey? I can't say I do, to be honest. No, there you go then. Uh, right, Trevor Hockey was a Welsh international from Yorkshire. Of course. Uh, and I'm thinking in particular the occasion when Wales were in a World Cup group uh, and it was a group of three with Poland and England. Uh, unusual for a, a group of three. And uh, famously, it was the group where, I don't know if you remember, where England didn't qualify for the World Cup because they couldn't beat Poland because of, there was a clown of a goalkeeper. I don't know if you, there was a very famous clip of this guy they well you obviously uh um your silence speaks volumes <laughs> <laughs> i was hoping you could jog my memory or my google could load faster but neither i was going to say i think i think i looked over the, i looked over the screen i think me and drew were both desperately trying to google this <laughs> <laughs> anyway i'm going back to the match where wales were playing uh, poland at cardiff where i was living down in uh barry near, near cardiff at the time we lived down there for two years and uh my dad had, had a heart attack just uh, a few months previously. And uh, before he'd had that, he got me and him tickets to go and see this Wales-Poland game. Uh, don't know where he got them from, but, uh, you know, he couldn't go, obviously. And so me and a, a lad I went to school with went. And we were there, and we were behind one of the goals at, uh, it was Ninian Park. And uh, and we were there, and it was a massive crowd, a big sea of sort of uh, red and white. Uh, and then Trevor Hockey uh, bursts through and uh, scores and the goal in front of us. Trevor Hockey, uh, if you ever get a picture of him, had a massive big bushy beard, which is quite unusual in uh, football then. Anyway, he scored. We were up on our feet screaming, only to find out that uh, what I hadn't realised before, and I was only young, is that Cardiff had a massive Polish population. And the red and white scarves we were sitting in the middle of oh my God. were Poland. <laughs> so we were on our feet. We hadn't clocked it, just hadn't clocked it at all. You know, anyway, we we're on our feet, like dancing up and down. And uh, yeah, <laughs> we were the only people, well, it felt like we were the only people in the stand. We were only about 17, something like that. I bet that I bet that moment where you realised wasn't wasn't pleasant though. I can imagine. Well, it was our home game crumbs, you know. So you just go, Ugh. and of course, Polish population, but they were Welsh Polish. So great anecdote here. Well, from that anecdote, you have just described Trevor Hockey's one and only goal for Wales. <laughs> well, I tell you, the other thing is I didn't know that, but the other thing is he only played. Something like you probably tell me, was it about six or eight games or something? Nine, nine, nine times, yeah, nine. Beg your pardon. Uh, because in my mind, or my memory was telling me, oh, he's a regular, he was a, you know, one of the, the Welsh internationals, but no, no, he didn't appear from that many. Yeah. He also, so this is a another recurring theme in your team here. He also jetted off to America, and uh, George is going to run through the names of the teams that he played for. Well, I was going to say, it says here his professional career spanned 16 years, uh, seven clubs and almost 600 appearances. And he went over to America. And I tell you what, the American teams have gone downhill with their team names now because these are brilliant. Yeah. Uh, you've got the San Diego Jaws, I'm assuming, was based... <laughs> okay. what, when did the film come out? I'm assuming it's based on that. Uh, 
1976. Anyway, then he went to the Las Vegas Quicksilvers and then the San Jose Earthquakes. Oh, I think, San Jose Earthquakes. I think they're still called the Earthquakes. Yeah, they? they're still the Earthquakes, yeah. He also uh, went on to manage both uh, Earthquakes and Quicksilvers. Right, let's move across the midfield. Trevor uh, Hockey, midfield enforcer. Midfield. I, uh, well, yeah, you've not particularly got a creative one. Uh, I am going with uh, Nobby Styles. Oh, Styles. Uh, he was an interesting guy. He was. Uh, he, he did a bit of management later in his career, and he wasn't particularly good. Uh, I don't think any of the uh, the players of that era particularly covered themselves in glory because Bobby Charlton uh, tried management as well, didn't he? And didn't uh, didn't do very well. Nobby Styles, a uh, lot of the uh, you know the Beckham Giggs generation. Uh, one of the things they were absolutely gobsmacked with when they were coming through was that uh, they were being looked after and trained in the youth team there by uh, an ex England World Cup winner, 1966 World Cup. Uh, and that was Nobby Styles. Uh, uh, he used to be very unfairly said that his job was to win the ball and give it to Bobby Charlton. It was, it was one of those, you know, but he was actually <laughs> a better footballer than that. Um, the particular match I'm thinking of, and I just love this story, was that uh, Alf Ramsey had picked, I think it was Alf Ramsey, had picked a team for England. And whoever was, in those days, you know, the shirts were 1 to 11. No squad numbers or anything like that. And whoever was playing number nine had dropped out through injury or something before the game. And so they drafted Nobby Styles into the team. And rather than change everybody's shirts, they just gave him the number nine shirt. So he played for England <laughs> in his normal position, I might add. You know, he was a sort of a defensive midfielder, uh, but wearing the number nine shirt. And it so happened that he scored the only goal in a 1 0 win. <laughs> And so the papers, it just shows uh, the, I suppose, the ignorance of the press in those days, maybe, absolutely lambasted uh, Alf Ramsey because um, uh, he picked this centre forward, but this centre, he played the centre forward completely out of position. There was no <laughs> difference and everything. They just couldn't get out of their head that the number didn't actually mean anything because, of course, in those days it did, you know. Uh, yeah. Number seven was right winger, number 11 left winger, all this lot. It's, uh, I think I think that should come back into this sport because there are some players that have a number that bother. Like so, for example, I think for Everton, I think Morgan Schneidlin. I think he's moved on now. Maybe maybe he's still there. He wears the number two, and he's a central midfielder, and he wears yeah. the number two. I'm not having that. Yeah. No, I agree with that. It's like, it, in my opinion, it's like five and six centre backs. Four you can have as a holding midfielder. Two right back, three. I'm not going to go through them all, but but it's like it's like with Trent, um, Trent Alexander Arnold wearing number sixty six. I'm assuming that one is in response to something. Well, like it's it, not just that he wears sixty six because he's kept it. It's not just that he came through the youth with that number and then moved on. He's kept it. Well, I think it's because when he came into the team, the number six was being held by the great Dayan Lovren, <laughs> and then when Dayan Lovren moved on this previous summer. Uh, one Tiago Alcantara came in and was given the number six. Number six. I don't think you can really argue with him because yeah. the numbers are meaningless. I mean, it's it's and the fact they're retiring numbers now, I think, is is faintly ridiculous. That's <laughs> that's a very American thing as well, isn't it? Yeah, it like that you you'll find like American sports teams like NFL, NBA will retire numbers, yeah, and things like that. But 
Was it Birmingham who retired uh, oh God, Jude yeah. Bellingham's number? <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, I saw a, I saw a funny thing today. Uh, I'll share with you. Um, after Jude Bellingham's call up to the England squad, <laughs> Borussia Dortmund have retired the number twenty two in commemoration <laughs> of it. Oh God. <laughs> Yeah, that that so was the, weird. the chairman's choice. Apparently, he decided that they would um, retire Jude Bellingham's number to what? commemorate him moving on to a, a big European club. What what was the number? Was it twenty something? I think so. Yeah, at least it wasn't like number ten or something. Yeah, <laughs> like is it not? I think Roma retired number ten when Totti retired, didn't they? Uh, yeah, I think they have because uh, I bought. Uh, the Roma top with Totti on the back yeah. uh, for his last season. Yeah. Because uh, he was my favourite player. There you go. But um, just going back to Nobby Styles, I just searched because I remember because he's obviously passed away recently. I think it was yeah. a couple yeah. of weeks ago now. Yeah. Um, and I remember Gary Neville like saying a lot of nice words about him because you were saying that the class of yeah. uh, 92. Uh, he put things just saying, rest in peace, Nobby. Thanks for what you did with us. You taught us how to fight for everything in that red shirt. And then he's put like quotation marks here. So I'm assuming this is a quote from Nobby Styles, well, which shows his sort of playing style. Your studs are your best friend out there. Oh, <laughs> which, oh. um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's probably when you were saying he was... Uh... Yeah, I believe he didn't live too far away from Tommy Smith. <laughs> and going back to it, from what you've said, said uh, earlier, it's a very, very rough side yours at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, I, I hadn't realised how rough. I, I'll, I'll get there. Don't worry, I'll you, get there. You wouldn't I want think... to come up against them as a striker, would you? No, I mean, you get through Nobby Styles and then you get scythed down by Tommy Smith. <laughs> well, or, yeah, yeah, Tommy Smith. Or you go down the other wing. Yeah, or you go down the other wing, you get taken out by putting the Milkman. Yeah. <laughs> putting the Milkman, yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> I'd tell you one thing about Nobby Stoddard, I did find out that I didn't know. Obviously, clearly, very famously, he was in the World Cup winning team uh, in 66. And there's various pictures of him. He's the one with the uh, the lid of the cup on his head with a yeah. big toothy grin, you know, dancing around that one. Anyway, in the group stage of that particular tournament, uh, they were playing France. And apparently, he fouled a French player, don't know the French player, quite badly. Yeah, he was seriously injured. And there was a big hoo-ha and, and uh, FIFA were very concerned about it uh, and wanted the FA to take some sort of retrospective action. The FA were very concerned about it and uh, went along to Alf Ramsey and uh, told him he's going to have to drop Nobby Styles from his team. Clearly, I, I I don't know. I can't remember the incident. I mean, I was a, believe it or not, I was only young myself. But uh, <laughs> the <laughs> they wanted to drop Nobby Styles, and uh, Ramsey went along to Styles and and said something along the lines of, uh, "Did you mean to hurt him?" Styles said no, and that was the end of the conversation. And Ramsey went back to the FA and told them, "No, I'm not dropping him. If you want him out of the team, uh, I will resign." Wow. And so stood behind him. And that, that was, I guess, it was due to Ramsey sort of standing behind his man that uh, Styles played in the cup final. Otherwise, he might not have played at all. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. Nobby Styles. Extremely high praise when <laughs> your manager stands <laughs> yeah. behind you like that, isn't it? Yeah. Especially, especially when you go to a World Cup final. Yeah. Yeah. I, I Another thing I found out like Google on him was that he... Um, he wanted to raise money for his family. He was quite ill. He's been ill for a long time before he passed away. I think he had dementia. But before he got too bad, he wanted to raise money for his family and sold his uh, medals, including his World Cup winner's medal, which is obviously oh, wow. quite a thing. 
Uh, and luckily it was bought by the uh, Man United Museum. So that I believe you can go and see it there, you know. So that's uh, oh, that's nice. It's quite sad when they have to do that, but yeah. I suppose yeah. you weren't rich. It's not like uh, they, they didn't get the money world. that today's footballers got, did they? No, no. No, different world. Right. right. So we'll move we'll move on again along your midfield. Right. I'm gonna say this. I'm not sure you know that Georgie Hadji. Oh, Ro- Romanian legend. There you go. His Are son you looking at my notes. No, his son, his son Giannis Hadji currently plays for Rangers. Oh, okay. There you go. I'll, I'll I'll defer to that one. Uh he was he was Romanian football. Uh back in this sort of it would have been 90s, I guess. Um, and he was a superb. He was like a number 10. Uh, so he was a playmaker. He was involved in everything. And uh, Romania had a very good side as well at the time. Uh, he's also one of the few players to play for Real Madrid and Barcelona. Uh, there's a quiz question for you. How many of those can you name? <laughs> there's not a lot. Uh, <laughs> Ronaldo? Fat, um, Ronaldo, Fat Ronaldo. Oh, is. Fat Ronaldo, yeah. Did Figo? Okay. Did, did Figo Figo did, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Etu? Huh? It's quite a few. Eh. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Yeah. I, Bring I, that I, wrong I, in. <laughs> yes, okay. Okay. <laughs> I will uh, I'll move on. Uh, going back to Haji. Um, he still manages now, actually. But uh, in the... Now I'm thinking 98 World Cup. Uh... They had a bet within the squad, and uh, they were playing. I think England was one of the, the uh, clubs and other teams, countries, and oh, Colombia was the other. And the manager has had a bet with them that they wouldn't beat those two teams, or rather, they would lose to those two teams, something like that. And they didn't. So, uh, as a consequence, uh, for their next match, they all came out uh, and they all bleached their hair, <laughs> bleached absolutely bright, you know, yellow, bleachy hair, and the entire team. And they were all there. They all looked exactly the same because they tend to have a fairly regulation haircut as well. Uh, apart from Hadji, of course, who was slightly shorter and slightly tubbier than the rest of them. And he just, well, he just didn't look right. <laughs> didn't look right at all. Anyway, but he was there. He did the same. And, uh, yeah, they played that game. And uh, I thought it was just such a cool thing at the time. But it, uh, later I found out that, uh, that because they'd used bleach, they were actually in a lot of discomfort because it <laughs> burned the scalp. And that's yeah. the moment to the cause. Lovely but stuff. He was, a, he was a good player. Yeah. Uh, three World Cups, and he was in the. Uh, well, here are there's my notes. I'm not able to remember this. He was in the All Star team in '94. There you oh, are. Well, so I, I do have a playmaker player. in there. There was a bit yeah. of creativity in midfield. But... <laughs> I was say, you were lacking before that, but you've all made up for it because he is one of the greater <laughs> playmakers in world football history. So much so that I, we knew who I knew who he was. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Right. So we have your goalkeeper, defence, and midfield. Now we'll get to argue the most exciting part of any team. We've got your front three. Yes. Um, so before, before we delve into the front three, which had a quick break there while Glenn went to put on the oven, and in that quick break, George showed me <laughs> two predictions for forwards he thinks will appear here. So do you want to put a little bet on here? What, what's the uh, what's the damage if you're wrong? If I'm wrong, well, I've only got two of the three though. That's thing. I can't think of a third. I can't think of a third at all. <laughs> well, if you want to tell me who they are, I can desperately change my mind at the last. 
Well, we'll play it fair. We'll play it fair. I know. I know George's predictions. Um, so if he gets them right, then he knows you very well. If he doesn't, then uh, he has to move out. There you go. There you go. Uh, if I get them wrong, I have to move out. Yeah, leave yeah. home. All right. All right. Okay. <laughs> I've got Wait, a garage. Am I saying okay? I'm going to be homeless here. I've got a garage, mate. Don't worry. <laughs> right. Okay. So, with that in mind, a lot on the line here for me. Are we going left or right first? Well, I've got one in the middle. The two on the outside doesn't really matter. Okay. Well, oh. your oh. choice then. Okay. I'm going to start with, I suspect you might have got this one, uh, George Best. Oh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> There's one. He did. George did, in fact, say George Best as one of his predictions. George Best. I mean, absolutely, what a talent in the days when football just didn't do that sort of thing. You know, he sort of uh, and he had a, an attitude to go with it. First, mm. the Champagne Charlie sort of thing. Yeah, maybe a rock star. Um, uh, yeah, uh, El Beetle. Maybe was called by the uh, the, Sp- the Spaniards when United when they're in the European Cup, just because of his hair, really, because nobody else had hair like that. <laughs> El Beetle. As in the Beatles. Beatles. Oh, I, th- I was thinking yeah. of the bug, and I was like, no, no, "What?" No, no, no. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I was thinking. Imagine, I was imagining a load of Beatles with like George Best haircut. <laughs> George Best. He um, was, shall we say, he liked to drink. Yeah, we'll say and, that. And um, I was, he was an idol of mine. I absolutely, was an idol. I loved him. And any time you see him play, bearing in mind you didn't see him play very often in club football because you know. Much of the day, sort of thing. You were lucky if you got uh, two games of highlights uh, a week, and uh, even then, you know, it was they used to share it around. So you didn't actually see uh, your top teams as often as you do now with the multi cameras and uh, yeah. every game on TV. But Best was one of the ones had a drink problem, uh, and um, also he had a bit of a love hate thing with Matt Busby, uh, the manager of United at the time. And there was an FA Cup game. Best had been banned for five games, not by the club, but by um, the FA for, and I've read this, for kicking the ball out of a goalkeeper's hand. And while he was banned, he was sort of, you know, he was off doing what George Best does sort of thing. And then his first match back was an FA Cup match, and it was uh, Man United against uh, Northampton Town. And Best played, and... Best just just wiped the floor with him on his own. Uh, uh, United won eight two, uh, and Best scored six of them. Oh wow! Uh, <laughs> uh, the other two actually scored by Brian Kidd. So uh, yeah, eight two, and uh, he was just fantastic. And uh, funnily enough, it was a match that was covered on TV. And funny enough, late equaliser or late late consolation goal from uh, Northampton Town was uh, scored by one Dixie McNeil. Ah, uh, legend. More lately, uh, came to Wrexham uh, in later <laughs> years and is now uh, president of uh, Wrexham. There you uh, go. I didn't know that until yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good that the wow. research brought you back to that conclusion. That's yeah, nice. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, best has played for lots of teams, of course, including <laughs> his say. prison eleven. Oh he, God! <laughs> looking at his list of teams. One of his teams is listed as Jewish Guild. Yeah, I saw that as well. Uh, no, no idea. Five games for them, one he goal. He played for Hibernian. Uh, he went to Hibernian, remember that? Yeah, 17 games. He also played for San Jose Earthquakes. He Four. finished his career at Tobermore United with one game <laughs> in 1984. <laughs> is that that kid's TV programme? <laughs> <laughs> 
great fact about George Best. George Best, obviously, like one of those players uh, for me and George growing up. Obviously, we wouldn't have seen much of him. In fact, me and George were only young when he passed away, to be fair. He was voted the sixth best player of the century in a FIFA vote. No. I also Googled him here, and one of the first things that came up was famous George Best quotes, which just delves into his personality a bit, which you can <laughs> probably imagine what they are. Um, one of them is, I used to go missing a lot. Miss Canada, Miss United Kingdom, <laughs> Miss World. And uh, I'll only say two of them. And the other one was, I've stopped drinking, but only while I'm asleep. So um, that tells you a little bit about his personality, yeah. doesn't it, I guess? There was there was a story about him when he, uh, he'd, he'd gone one of his, his sort of... He, I think he was away from the club at the time. They'd either banned him or something. And he'd been out and uh, he, had a, he had a penchant for Miss World's and uh, he'd been to a casino, I think it was Manchester, had Miss World on his arm, and they'd gone back to the hotel, and he'd won. And in the hotel bedroom, sort of, he had all this cash, and he'd, he'd all flying and lying all over the bed. He had Miss World in there, and he phones up room service, and this fella comes up with a bottle of champagne, like a, like Best wanted, and uh, comes in and sees George Best there with Miss World lying on the bed, all this cash lying around. George, he says... Where did it all go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> to make a, a comparison, so have we all watched The Last Dance? Yep. No. Well, I, you, you, you should still, watch it, definitely. You'll still be aware, you probably still be aware who, who this is. I would compare George Best and what I know of him to the famous Dennis Rodman. Yes. And that he's just oh. a bit of a loose cannon, has all yeah. the talent in the world, but doesn't care that much about what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, it could be right. Uh, yeah. Uh, Dennis, uh, George Best never wore a dress, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, you, ca- you can't was, prove that. There was that, <laughs> there was that famous thing in the last dance, wasn't there, with Dennis Rodman, where they just let him go off for a weekend to yeah. just party. Just went to Vegas I, and they had to go get him back because he stayed for longer than he was supposed to. <laughs> that crazy. sounds quite George Best to me. Right. Let's move on from George Best. Are we going play that he was? Your. Central striker? Or do you want yeah, to go we'll go the central striker, yeah. Uh, okay. oh, I've got this one. We're going this, to... is, this is the one that I think I will have got. If Rude Van Nistelrooy. Oh, he's got oh, it. He's done it. He gets hell. to stay at home. He doesn't I, <laughs> I've got a bed for, for tonight. Am I predictable or what? The, the look on Glenn's face suggested he was hoping George would get them wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, must have been. Oh, that, yeah, that's transparent. That's, uh, <laughs> yeah, Rude. Um, he... Um, Man United striker, and I don't think they've had a striker like him since. He's one of uh, what I call old school strikers. He uh, put himself about. He could um, head the ball, shoot with either foot. Just, Roy, the scourge of Liverpool. I used to hate watching Liverpool United games when Rude Runner Story is there. I still remember him skinning Jamie Carragher, putting him on his bum and then just slotting it past. I think it was Dudek at the time. Yeah, I, was, I hated Rude Van Nistelrooy, which shows how good he was. Which is probably why he's in my team. For- yeah, I, um, <laughs> I remember um, you taking me to Old Trafford when I was younger. Uh, I, d- I don't want to say when it was, but it, it was obviously early 2000s because that's when he was there. But um, it was a Liverpool game um, and it was 4-0, I think. Yeah. And he scored two. He scored a penalty and won an open play, I think. Sammy Hippier giving away the penalty. I think on him as well. I, right, you've already told I, this story to rub it into me, so let's move on. Well, yeah. can I just say, I'm ashamed <laughs> to say, we were at that game, we were up in one of the, uh, up in the north stand in one of the sort of corners of it. Uh, uh, I was delighted with the 4-0 win. What I hadn't realised was that Liverpool were down to 10 men. 
<laughs> and a Chris Kamara moment. <laughs> I didn't I didn't know Liverpool were down to ten men. I just completely missed the fact that somebody had been sent off. Quite embarrassing. Was it Hippie? Mm. I'm assuming it was, seeing as he gave away the I, yeah, I can't fully remember. But just looking at um Ruvan Esteroy's uh return for both well, for PSV United and Real Madrid, it's ridiculous. Um PSV he had 62 goals in 67 games. United he had 95 goals in 150 games, and at Madrid he had 46 and 68 games, which is yeah. just just oh, incredible. I've forgotten he gone to Madrid. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, He's he's quite worth um, looking at his YouTube reel. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there he had yeah. I've picked one because there was a, a particular moment, and it's the one that always surprises me every time I, you know you see these things come up occasionally. They were playing Fulham. Uh, he got the ball around about the halfway line or slightly in his own half and just went running with it and beat two or three players, not not George, but, uh, not George, not Ryan Giggs, like, you know, against Arsenal that time, but just beaten through speed and everything. Uh, and then got past the last one. And as, you know, when somebody opens their body to be able to, uh, uh, you know, to shoot at goal because he was coming in from the left, well, he started to open his body but as he did so, shot with his right foot anyway. So the keeper hadn't even got a time to, to sort of set himself <laughs> in the shot. And it just went in. And every time I see it, it surprises me because he shoots earlier than you think he's going to. You think he's going to yeah. do around and just try it. And he just does it. And it's absolutely superb. Yeah, he was Fulham. definitely the complete forward, Ruben Estoril. Definitely. Uh, he was a donkey yeah. to a Rooney Shrek, was he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah he I was forgot a, about that, yeah. Really mentor for Rooney as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Even even with Wayne Rooney, this will be a, this is a bold statement. But even with Wayne, Wayne Rooney, I don't think we've had, like you said earlier, I, I think United have been no. trying to find a striker like him ever since, and we've just no. failed. Yeah. Right. So before we move on to your last forward, yep, gonna go double or nothing, George. You have to live guess right now. Oh, Otherwise, no. you move out right now. We end the podcast. <laughs> um. Okay. So I think. Because two of the <laughs> we've got to move out right now. Literally, yeah, right now. The podcast yeah. You have to leave the podcast and clearly be um, co-host. You've, jo- I, you've chosen making some notes on an alternative. <laughs> you've chosen. <laughs> you've chosen two United players in that one, or what they were known for was United. I'd say. Oh, so yes. I'm assuming you haven't gone United for your last one. Ooh. Ooh. And I'm going to go back on that and say Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> Thomas. I'm probably wrong. Who You're is your third forward? Ah. Oh, see you later, George. It's been nice. <laughs> see you later, guys. It's been it's been great having a two <laughs> two podcasts. Um, the next one will be from the street for me, I think. <laughs> right, uh, my my final is uh, Matt Letizia. Oh, yes. Uh, Matt Letizia is one of these sort of guys. Um, well, I'm probably telling you what you already know anyway. But played for Southampton, didn't move on, even though he was sort of talked about for years none of the big clubs were I think they weren't prepared to take a punt on him had a bit of a reputation for being a lazy player and that wasn't up to them he didn't play oh how many times he played for England can't remember not that many times he did play for England but uh eight was it eight there you go uh but in terms of talent um he was such a player and uh, he another one there's there's quite a few but if you have a look at uh, Matt and Letizia's best goals yeah on, on YouTube yeah. uh, they're that's just what, astonishing they're just yeah, that, astonishing that's what I was going to say I, but I had a DVD this is how long ago this was 
of like the 100 greatest Premier League goals. And I think about 12 of them were Matt Letizia, just flicking it over defenders, volleys, yeah. banging them in from anywhere. Unbelievable Big finisher. Kicks as well, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable player. I, I was, uh, I, I thought that I was going to put him in because of a certain goal. And I've got to confess, I couldn't really pin it down <laughs> because nope. there's so many fantastic ones. So good. I did pick one. There was one against Newcastle, which I think is in the, the reels, where the ball comes to him and he sort of takes it with his back heel behind him and sort of brings it forward. Uh, then sort of by in that action, he takes it over a player and runs around him. Then he does a little dink and, and chips over the next defender. You know, a bit like Gascoigne did in the European Championships. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, chips it over this other, other keeper. And they were just, uh, one of them was lying on the floor when it's only gone past, <laughs> you know. And then he just sort of went and stroked it with the inside yeah. of the foot into the far corner of the goal, you know. Uh, so that was, that. I, I remember exactly that goal. That was definitely on that, that DVD that yeah. I watched because it yeah. was the, the fact that he'd done so much in terms of like the flicks over, then to yeah. just finish it so nonchalantly past the keeper. Yeah. That, that player on the floor must have been contemplating his life choices. Just like, I could have been a milkman. <laughs> I could have done something different. Yeah. Nah, excellent. Oh, Great choice. Yeah. I think he's one of those players, like, like you said, Glenn, he's a bit like Shearer in that he could have gone on and been the best player in the world if he'd moved to a bigger club. But he always stayed. I know Shearer moved from Blackburn to Newcastle, but he's that sort of one club man. Did it all there, didn't want to move, became a club legend and then left from there. Shearer started in uh, Southampton, just to, to close the loop there. Oh, there you go. You've made up for the lack of creativity in your forward there. I yeah. don't think it's a bad side, actually. Yeah, no, it's very good. I think it's very hard I tell you, to I tell past. you what, if you were if you were a striker, you'd be absolutely terrified of that <laughs> defensive midfield to come up against. As a defender, you would be absolutely terrified of that strike force as well. So I I think that's an absolutely yeah banger yeah. of a side. There you go. I, I'm so, not sure there's only one creative player in midfield, but uh, <laughs> I try to right. help you. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. If we look back far enough, he was a creative player. <laughs> Doesn't sound well, like one, does he? I'll be honest. I don't suppose a lot of people listening to this podcast will know who he is. So let's just say he was. There you go. Yeah, there you go. He, he was such a creative, creative player. Creative yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I believe. I believe Pele said once that Trevor Hockey was the uh, the greatest and most skillful Welshman he'd ever seen. There you go. Yeah, there you yeah. go. And, and I distinctly remember this quote of Chabby saying that he based his game purely on Trevor Hockey. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Plays you all in Spanish, there. but yeah. <laughs> right, so that is your team. Now we need a super sub. So you don't want to change the game. Who are you bringing on off the bench? Right, Ooh, I've discounted. There were two obvious ones. I discounted. I don't know whether you want me to say them because uh, is one know, of them Oleg Gunnar Solskjaer? I assume it would. Or be. One of them might be. Yeah. And the other one, uh, Liverpool connection here. Eh? Liverpool super sub. Divakarigi. Forgot that. No, <laughs> Corner taken quickly. <laughs> David Fairclough, he couldn't get in the team. I think uh, Toshak and Keegan and uh, uh, and this David Fairclough couldn't get in the team, but he was always on the bench. But he used to come off off the bench, scored a lot of goals off the bench, particularly in European nights. You know the, yeah. the famed big European nights in uh, Anfield. Anfield. David Fairclough. He had uh, carrot hair. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. I have just Googled him and his picture on Google, his Wikipedia page, isn't very flattering. But <laughs> no, no. it did pull up another great connection with the rest of your team. Now, he moved on from Liverpool to a team called the Toronto Blizzard. Oh, Blizzard, there you go. In 1982, <laughs> there you go. So you've had the Jaws, the Blizzard, 
the earthquakes. Yeah, the, earthquakes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the yeah. quicksilvers, was quicksilvers, it? Quicksilvers, yeah. <laughs> All the great What's... American teams. I, sh I should point out, of course, that uh, that he's not my super sub. <laughs> yeah, so who is your super sub? Yeah, yeah, right, well, yeah. I thought I, th I thought it was slightly different in there, and I'm afraid there's another Man United connection in this. It's Teddy Sheringham. Oh, Teddy Sheringham. nice, yeah. fantastic shout. In classic. particular, uh, people will uh, recall the 1999 Champions League final, United against Bayern Munich. Uh, and of course, the one that stands out in everybody's mind is uh, Solskjaer uh, sticking the ball into win the winning. Post. Um, I'd take you back a few minutes from that. Of course, United were losing 1 0. Uh, the 90 minutes were up. Uh, Solskjaer and Sheringham have been bought on as subs for um, Cole and uh, Dwight York. And it was uh, in the first minute of injury time. That uh, I think famously Schmeichel had come up for a corner, but uh, Giggs tried a shot and it was turned in the goal by Sheringham. So Sheringham scored the equaliser. Now, if Sheringham hadn't scored that goal, you it would... really wouldn't have made any difference yeah. after that because that would have been it. Yeah, that's there. Uh, uh, so he actually goal. kept them in the, cha uh, the Champions League final. I who, think. Who flipped on the corner for Solskjaer? Uh, that, come to that. that was uh, Sheringham. Yeah. yeah. So sorry, as well sorry. as scoring the equaliser, <laughs> uh, there was another corner from the same side. Uh, he leapt up, met the ball, came down and, yeah, well, Solskjaer just threw a foot at it, really, didn't yeah. he? And, uh, <laughs> in the roof of the net. So in my mind, yeah, he was a, although Solskjaer had the glory of that winning goal in the, in the dying seconds, uh, Sheringham was the man who actually turned that match uh, as a super sub. And so, He's my man. Yeah, I can't yeah. tell you how many times we, we had the 1999 uh, treble video. And I think I used to watch it every weekend when I was a kid. <laughs> so I could probably like narrate alongside the commentators with all that. Incredible. There you go. That's your 1 to 11 and your super sub. So we'll take a quick pause and then we'll move on to the remainder of your Nostalgia 11. We're back. Glenn, it's now time to give us the manager of your team. Right. I'm going for a manager of a Dutch club, the Englishman known as Steve McLaren. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> and, and this just, just makes me laugh. Steve McLaren had been appointed manager of, was it FC20? Right? Yeah, FC20, yeah. yeah. And uh, they'd been drawn against Arsenal in the uh, in the Champions League, and so he was being interviewed uh, for Dutch TV. And bless him, he tried his hardest, you know, interviewed for Dutch TV. Uh, bearing in mind the interviewer was speaking fluent English, <laughs> <laughs> and McLaren's answers were. English. I'm not saying fluent because he was saying them as if he was a Dutchman. <laughs> and so he was doing things like uh, basically speaking pidgin English to somebody who is perfectly <laughs> speaking English. And he's doing things like Champions League, Liverpool, Arsenal. <laughs> I thought one of them we would draw. <laughs> and it's Arsenal, I think. <laughs> so, absolutely so. outrageous. That I still remember that. It's absolutely hilarious. Yeah. And I remember the, that because it was. Uh, I was going to say it was right. It was around a similar time to when Joey Barton uh, did the exact same yeah. thing, but in France, Marseille, was it for Marseille? Yeah. 
Steve McLaren. Mm. There's the iconic image, which will always stick with me for a number of reasons. Again, thoroughly impartial on this podcast was when England didn't qualify for the World Cup. Oh my gosh, they lost yeah. at home to Croatia. And Steve McLaren was just stood on the sideline with an, an umbrella. And I've never seen a man look so lonely in my whole life. <laughs> also, also another one. I'm, I'm sure this is Steve McLaren. Forgive me if I'm wrong and cut it out if I'm wrong. But was it Steve McLaren where, you know, on the Soccer Saturday thing where they're just uh, com- like commentating over the football that you can't see? And oh. he... It was England versus Iceland. Was it Steve yes, McLaren? It yeah. Was. Yeah, it, it was England was. versus Iceland. And they came to him and said, how are they playing? And he was like, yeah, absolutely fantastic. Um, I don't think, I can't see, uh, I can't remember exactly what he said, but I can't see England losing this. I can't see this. Uh, the only threat that Iceland have is, and then as, I think as soon as he said it, or like two seconds after he said it, you just saw his face, well, his whole body just dropped because Iceland had scored. Oh, <laughs> oh it was so good. Such Again, good timing. Thoroughly impartial podcasting here. We're very good at this, not highlighting our uh, <laughs> thoughts on the English football team. So uh, we'll move on from manager to the kit. The kit, right. Okay, it's a green top, red bottom. And the reason I say red bottom, uh, as worn by Cameroon in the early 90s. Is that yellow socks? Uh, green top, red bottom. Uh, well, I'm not worried about the socks so much because the green top, uh, red bottom was a one piece. Oh, I know the one you mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> they, they, uh, yes, and, and uh, it was well. I, I think you had to have a certain sort of figure to get away with it. Uh, and uh, partly the reason I've chosen that is to see somebody like uh, uh, Tommy Smith or Sean Pearson. <laughs> <laughs> something like that would be would or even Matt Letizia thinking about it I'll be, on, I'll be honest all I can think about is Steve McLaren wearing it oh unfortunately he wouldn't be would he <laughs> uh, well we could, uh, I'm sure I could have a hey. manager's version of it yeah Glenn it's your team if you want the manager to wear the same kit then the manager yes, wears I the same kit I insist on it I've just got a photo of this kit and it is just ridiculous isn't <laughs> yeah it? it's outrageous <laughs> it's just ridiculous yeah. I don't make much about that anymore going on there as well isn't it <laughs> Right, so moving on from that lovely kit and its um, side effects, we'll go on to the stadium. So what's yeah. the stadium, Glenn? Uh, no surprises here. We're going to the race course. Yeah, of oh, course. It's now called uh, my race course, Wrexham's uh, ground. Um, the reason I'm, uh, I'm choosing it is because I used to go there when I was young. I was very young. And uh, at the time then, you know, the big uh, expanse behind one of the goals is just empty now. Well, that used to be the home sort of uh, end and uh, there were people standing up there. Obviously, it wasn't uh, wasn't seats. And so uh, at half time in those days, you could actually get along the halfway line uh, behind where the manager's dugout is or in front of the dugout, it'd be nice, I suppose. Um, and you could walk around. You could, so it was all one sort of area. So of course, at half time, the uh, the Wrexham fans who were standing behind the uh, the goal at uh, that end would want to go down to stand behind the goal for Wrexham attacking at the other end, as would uh, the opposition fans. <laughs> and there was only one way round. So every half time, you could see because there's quite big crowds in those days. But you could see round about the halfway line, they'd be, you'd see all these heads bobbing up and down and fists going around. And there were actual <laughs> fights breaking out on there. So it's uh, that was in the days before they were all seated stadiums, and so uh, yeah, excellent. It is uh, it is a fantastic stadium as well. Obviously, yeah. we've got a lot of affiliation to it, but incredibly as well, 
it's the uh, world's oldest international football stadium that still hosts international matches. Yep. Which well, is there you go. Well, I, I'll be honest, I love the race course. I've seen a lot of games there. I've seen Liverpool Reserves play there. Liverpool Reserves used to use the race course as their ground. Uh, I've also seen many, many a Wales game. I've seen a few Wrexham games. The, mm. the level of the, the football significantly dropped whilst watching the Wrexham games. But <laughs> yeah, some of, the, some of the games I've seen there for Wales as well. I think uh, last year I went to watch uh, Wales versus Trinidad and Tobago. And yeah. that might well have been the worst game of football I've ever seen, including <laughs> the game I saw, the nil-nil I saw with George at, last year, at the race course last year, <laughs> which was a very dull game. But I've seen some great games, but my experience has been quite dull <laughs> race course, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. For a team that uh, is now in the National League, obviously used to be quite a big team, the record attendance at the race course is 34,445, which is... Which is pretty big for a for a non-league team at the moment. Yeah, yeah, Obviously, at the time they were they were <laughs> it was against Manchester United. That as well. Yes, that was well, well, that was a long time ago. I think uh, fifty-seven. Yeah. yeah. So oh, I'm assuming that's where back in standing well. times where people just sort of crammed together. It would be, really... and a lot of United fans would have come down. I mean, what's the capacity now? But is it fifteen or eighteen yeah. or something? Or? I can try and find out for you. Having said that, they don't use most of it. So it's... <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, it's very true. Fantastic ground, though. Seen many a great game. Not that I've seen, but I'm sure there has been some great games there. Bearing in mind, I said the uh, the record attendance at the race course was, what, 34,000, did I say? The capacity is 10,771. Oh, so they must have really been crammed in there. No, so, well, it would have been all all standing or mostly standing. Yeah, yeah. Look at the size of that. And I'm assuming, I'm assuming this uh, doesn't include the, the stand behind the goal that isn't used at the moment. All I'm envisaging um, yeah. with that many people in that small of a ground is... Uh, you can't kick the ball out because there's a wall of play pool of plans around the pitch. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we'll run That's through it. your team, uh, then you get to name it. So, Glenn Thomas, you've gone for a four-three-three formation. Goalkeeper Di Davis into the defence. I'm going to go from left to right. We've got Tommy Smith at left back, the Kaiser Franz Beckenbauer at centre back, Wrexham cult hero Sean Pearson at centre back. <laughs> And then onto the right back, we've got Pudding, the milkman from Rill. Yeah, in midfield, we have a midfield of three. So we've got Georgie Hadji, we have Nobby Styles, and we have Trevor Hockey. And the front three, and thank God I guessed two of these right, otherwise I'd be out on the street right now. We have George Best, Rude Van Nistelrooy, and Matt Letitia. And if that doesn't terrify defences, I don't know what will. Yeah, and if that's not bad enough, your super sub, Teddy Sheringham, one of the great English goal scorers off the bench, all managed by the Dutchman himself, Steve McLaren, <laughs> playing in a Cameroon onesie, all played at the race course. Now that is one hell of a team. That is one hell of a team. I'd go and watch them. Well, I should hope so. <laughs> so, Glenn, just to finish up here, can you please name your team? Right, this team is called Seant Oggs. Stay on top. I'm laughing now. I can just see George trying to write this down. <laughs> I'm shit. Have I got that right? <laughs> oh, wait, I have. Yeah, S E I O N T, Ogs. A bit, a bit of a story. It was when I was in school. There was a, there used to be a five side tournament that took place in Colne Bay. And I used to take a team from Carnarvon, where we lived at the time. Uh, and uh, we just came along to them. We, we weren't very good, but we uh, that was our name at the time. So, oh, say fair enough. Talks. There you go. Well, right that on. was St. Ogs. You were Glenn Thomas. 
Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Well, Saint Ogs, if that is in fact how you say that, that is Alicia, one hell of a team. Yeah. One hell it of is, a team. Is. I think my favourite uh, my favourite part about that whole team is, and I don't know what he looks like, but putting the milkman in a Cameroon one piece is something I definitely, definitely want to see. Oh yeah, absolutely. For some reason <laughs> in my head, I can't get Postman Pat out of my head. So I'm just envisioning he looks like Postman Pat playing right back, even though he's a milkman. <laughs> Just a really tall head. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. some great stories in there. A lot of players that were before our time. And there's nothing wrong with that. We're not ageist no. here. You can pick old players. That's fine. In fact, that that helped it, <laughs> helped with my football knowledge a little bit for you. Yeah. A few less left field choices than last week. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to be hard to beat that many left field choices from last yeah, week. Yeah, that's though. true. That is true. Obviously, a lot, a lot of the players in there, I'm, I'm very happy with, with two United forwards and one Wrexham legend. Well, I wouldn't call him a legend. He's still playing there, and he's, he's only been there two seasons. But at the back, yeah, why not? He's a legend. He's delivering for the fat ball. Yeah. I've seen their, their stuff on Instagram. It looks real nice. <laughs> what we did last week, I don't know if you want to do it again. If you want to make this a thing, is chose the best and worst players of the team. Now, yeah. I think one's a lot easier than the other. <laughs> yeah again I would say there's no argument about the best player it's obviously going to be putting the milkman at right back putting the milkman is is by far the best player <laughs> on my on my uh, obviously we write we write the teams down so we can just sort of uh, remember them on mine I've just put NA for like non-applicable because <laughs> he said he didn't know the name at first so I was like right <laughs> oh, I wanted to give him his full title putting the milkman, put in the milkman. right yeah. back from real <laughs> So no, yeah. So obviously, I would suggest that putting the milkman is probably the worst player in that team. Yeah, yeah. Who are you saying for best? The surname is a bit of a giveaway, I think. Uh, yeah, you you probably got to go with George Best, haven't you? To be yeah. to be honest, it was between him and Matt Letizia for me, but yeah. probably only only Matt Letizia because I've probably seen more of Matt Letizia uh, with him having more sort of clips on him and stuff like that. But yeah, you, you're gonna have to go with George Best, I think, aren't you? I mean. Also with Georgia Hadji and Franz Beckenbauer, you've got some of like classic best football players to ever played the game. Yeah, like like Glenn said, like Dad said, Franz Franz Beckenbauer pretty much revolutionised the the centre back role. Centre backs yeah. we see now like Big Verge, none of the United centre backs is real terrible. Um, we'll say we'll say Nemanja Vidic just to just to yeah, throw a good he one. Yeah, a sweeper. <laughs> he just booted it. I know, but he's still he's still a good good centre back. <laughs> but like sweeper centre backs, which is obviously a, a, a staple in the modern game. If not yeah. for for Franz Libero Beckenbauer, the Kaiser, I don't think you'd have that. And I actually didn't know the story about him um, dislocating his shoulder and playing in a sling as well. So that's quite no, an that is interesting hard nugget we got. Yeah, it really is. I, if if you if you get the chance as well, I, I did it during the podcast. If you Google that image, it's insane. <laughs> I think it's incredible that the hard man sort of like uh, notion definitely is the uh, the core of this team. A bunch of hard men with some strikers up top that are going to bang him in for you. To be fair, I would say Ruth Van Nistelrooy's a bit of a hard man. Yeah, yeah. He got he got in a few scraps in his time as well, didn't he? Always remember... Arsenal. Yeah, I was going to say, missing the pen and Martin Keogh and getting right in his grill and then just, uh, nah, I don't care, mate. <laughs> yeah, but then uh, didn't get his own back. I can't remember if it was the same game or the, the next game they played against Arsenal. He scored, stood right in front of Martin Keown and just raised his arms. Yeah, arms and yeah. Uh, That was something. That's yeah. something you don't have enough of nowadays. Feuds in football. I want to see that. I want to see people hate each other and proper like. go at it. But that sort of thing where 
players just hate each other and they want to go out. Mm. It's like Roy Keane and Patrick Vieira. That was a classic one. Oh my one. gosh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah great, Definitely. I love that. It's like Dirk Cout and any Everton player. He just <laughs> used to love drop-kicking people and getting away with it. Love that. <laughs> love that. It's like Duncan Ferguson, actually, and any other player. Big yeah. Dunk, just yeah. head everyone. Why not? Just laughing it. Duncan Ferguson. Matarazzi and Zidane. You know, great football and rivalries. Just players that hate each other. I want to see more of that. I want to see that, that I aggression watching, in the game. I remember watching that Zidane head, but that was insane. Because that was the last moment of his playing career, wasn't it? Yeah. It's insane. As a moment, that is as much of a mic drop as I've ever seen in a football pitch. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I'm done. Cheers, lads. I mean, better mic drop would probably have been winning the World Cup, but you know. Nah, nah. <laughs> I mean, right. I think at that point he knew it wasn't going to happen. So he's like, right, <laughs> going to end up on my own terms. Watch this. <laughs> and uh and thankfully we uh we did manage to clarify that Di Davis is in fact not my father. So I mean the jury start on that one. <laughs> Maybe we'll get your mum on someday and she'll tell us. Yeah. I've mum mum's a big Everton fan. We've been trying to teach her teach her the names of the players. So far she has James because she keeps forgetting it's pronounced Hammers. <laughs> <laughs> Who did you mum support, sorry? Everton. Yeah. And who did Dad Davis play for? Don't. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> don't. 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 Conspiracy theorists, get on that. <laughs> Do some research. What a whole YouTube video about it. Hey, hey that's how you make the big bucks nowadays. Yeah. So yeah. that team, a great group of players. Manager, not great. No. Big, big Steve but, with his but, umbrella. But for a very comic moment, which, will, which I will appreciate. Players, managers talking in different accents, just hilarious. Now, um, the racecourse ground, obviously very dear to your heart as well. Great oh, ground. And I think that really is the perfect place to play in a Cameroon onesie in Wrexham. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Bootlegger in the crowd, just going, I can see Bootlegger wearing a, a Cameroon onesie. Do you reckon he'd wear it? <laughs> oh, absolutely. He'd be absolutely <laughs> yeah. smashed, wouldn't know where he was anyway. Yeah, this is very true. That's very dream. true. So, another week, another podcast. Great guests, great stories. A bit more of a um, classic vibe with this week, uh, but that yeah. is great. That's what we like. A bit of variation in there. That's the name of the name of the podcast, isn't it? So that's true. Your your dad took nostalgia and ran with it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I wasn't expecting any less from him, but he gave us some absolutely fantastic stories, like you said, yeah. which were great. Yeah, it was was a, a nice trip down memory lane for everyone. Yeah. Apart from us, we didn't remember it, but it was nice for us to go yeah. for a trip down Google Lane so we could find out yeah. these people were. Here. <laughs> so that's us done for another week if you'd like to follow us along on our podcasting journey you have two options now last week we Ooh. told you about the twitter at nostalgia fc pod you can now find us under the same handle on instagram getting down with the kids in. yeah so photos say, galore <laughs> shouldn't say that with my current facial hair arrangement oh gosh um, yeah <laughs> um, for uh, for context there drew is currently taking part in movember so yeah, yeah i've been advised Looking to stay away from all parks i live quite close to a school so that's not great <laughs> um but yeah i'm just gonna lock myself in the house and i'll be fine um so yeah if you want to follow us follow us on instagram or twitter uh, we'll be posting updates on future episodes new guests and anything else we feel like tweeting or and also please give us a follow on Spotify or any other uh, podcasting platform. It would be greatly appreciated and would help us out quite a lot. It definitely would. So there we go. That was Glyn Thomas delivering Seant Ogs into the world 
And what a team it was. And what a team it was.